We would like to begin this podcast by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the lands in which we gather and speak today. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening. Sovereignty has never been ceded and the treaty was never signed. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. So my vision has always been, you know, to get information to people in an accessible manner in a way that they can understand it, take it, take it on board, take what's meaningful to them yes. um, and help people, you know, live a good life even with the conditional while managing the condition, keeping the symptoms at bay. Hi there, everybody. It's Deddy from the F&D podcast, and I'm hoping you're doing okay wherever you are in the world. So hello to you all. Well, it's officially F&D Awareness Day, so happy F&D Day. And I'm thrilled to present a great conversation with Dr. Catherine Gill, President and Founder of the F&D Australia Support Services. So for those of you who do not know Dr. Catherine Gill, if you were to ask what an F&D warrior is, she would literally be the embodiment of the meaning F&D warrior. She has spent countless of hours and continues to do so to work towards making a difference for those who are living with F&D. She's educating specialists, doctors, allied health professionals, and she also continues to advocate for so many of us with F&D too. She's developed some well-needed programs within F&D Australia Support Services, from OT services to counselling, which is so needed. We are incredibly honoured and grateful for her to talk with us today. So thank you so much for talking with us. So without further ado, let's just jump right in and listen to Dr. Catherine Gill. Hello, Kate. Welcome back to the F&D podcast. It is nice to see you again. Wow, this year has been quite busy for both of us, hasn't it? It certainly has. It Thanks certainly for having has. me. Great to be talking to you again. Thank you. For those of you who are newly diagnosed who might be like tuning into this episode, um, they may not know about FND Australia Support Services. So how do you describe FND Australia Support Services? I founded the charity back in 2017 and the charity arose due from my lived experience of not having enough care, understanding you know, the confusion that I faced when I found my diagnosis in my medical notes. Yeah. Um, so we've been working hard over the years to raise awareness of FND. We have and most people have probably found, um, you know, our support group. So we, now we have like three and a half thousand people within our support group. Wow. And that's basically where it started is sort of seeing people on social media. So we've done a lot of awareness raising at, you know, levels of government, state and federal. Um, we do a lot of promotion around FND, education of health professionals. We do training of health professionals. Um, more recently, since 2020, um, you know, our vision was that we would provide services to people with FND. You know, initially it just started with the advocacy, but you know, there was just such a need. So many people weren't getting the care that they needed, and I was working in health at the time. I'm like, well, maybe I should just direct my energy towards FND, which is what I did. Yeah. And I set up the um, clinic started off with the counsellors, it was started off with a pilot program of counsellors. People told me it wouldn't work bringing students in, well it worked really, really well. Yes. And that's just grown and grown and we've had you know several years of running the counselling program so that 
people who are struggling to access support and services and finding practitioners who know what FND is. We have the counselling program, we have the occupational therapy program. And then more recently, you know, in the last year, um, we got the grant for the FND app. So that was kindly funded by the New South Wales Ministry and Bronnie Taylor mm-hmm. um, to develop the app and get it live. Um, it's currently free to download on the Apple Store and Google Play Store. And that provides quite a lot of information about FND. So it may look a bit overwhelming when people first access the app because there are several, you know, there's information about FND, there's frequently asked questions, there's management plans, there's symptom logs, there's daily logs, um, lived experience stories, and your lived experience story is featured in there as well. Nice. So a lot of information and it's really designed to help people, you know, they can sort of spend time, immerse themselves in the app to really learn and understand what is FND, how do we treat it, um, what are some wellbeing strategies that I can use. And it's also something that people can work on with their health professionals, you know, if they have a psychologist they could be working through the app in collaboration with a treating professional because like there is a lot of information in there mm-hmm. that you know when I first came down with FND there was no information no there FND. wasn't as, no. as you would probably um, attest to as well <laughs> we were just provided with a link um, and that was it, or just to Google it as um, mm. many others have heard but now it sounds as though it's so good. If you're diagnosed now, you're able to access services that weren't there before and you're mm-hmm. able to do it independently too, which is awesome. Yeah. 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 And yeah. most of the time, like my doctor especially, still learning after how many years of having F&D, um, mm. what F&D is, how yeah. it's treated as well. So, mm. you know, that app is essential almost. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and you know you're right. A lot of people are just told to Google it, um, or go to neurosymptoms.org. And yes, again, there is you know a lot of information there. But it's come from the medical perspective. One of the good things about the app is it was co-designed. So you know it was written by myself, but there was a lot of lived experience involvement in mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So it's understanding you know, from the lived experience perspective what is helpful for people. You know, and likewise with the lived experience stories, it's that voice. What did people find helpful? And people can relate to other people with lived experience. So, you know, certainly I felt initially that I was alone in this. You know, initially I didn't have a label. So I'm dealing with these symptoms and no label, which was probably the most isolating. But then once you find a label, it's trying to work out and make sense of this condition and find information. And for me, at the time that I came down with it, when I came down with FND, there wasn't information that was accessible to people with lived experience. So I had to get on university research databases to try and find out what is this condition? And for me, it was quite confusing, even though I was a medical research scientist, so I had the skills to 
read scientific papers and also I was an allied health professional so could understand you know health aspects and allied health etc yes there was such a contrast in the literature from you know neurology sort of having all these findings around changes in brain connectivity and brain networks and brain function and then you had the Freudian conversion theories around secondary gain which I found incredibly insulting Um, and as you know anyone with FND you know, experiences, there are no gains with FND. There's losses, you know, people lose their careers, their friendships, their yeah. hopes, their dreams, everything that they plan for in their life. It's like, how do we adapt to this condition? So, yeah, it, it was for me around trying to make sense of this condition. And, you know, I felt like I was in a fortunate position. I had access to research papers I had health knowledge, I had research knowledge. And if I was struggling, then clearly there are other people out there who are also struggling. So my vision has always been, you know, to get information to people in an accessible manner, in a way that they can understand it, take it on board, take what's meaningful to them um, and help people, you know, live a good life even with the conditional while managing the condition, keeping the symptoms at bay. And I think that's the key really and truly is Mm -hmm. just trying to manage and pace and see where Mm -hmm. you are at that time because my understanding is your FND is constantly also evolving as well. So yeah. it's never quite the same. So it's really mm-hmm. handy to have this too. That's one of the things about FND. You know, we talk about, you know, there's variability in symptoms. There's sometimes when you're completely debilitated and you know, really disabled. And then there might be other times where you're not as disabled and debilitated. Um, the symptoms do fluctuate. And that can be confusing for the person. And then, of course, you then got bystanders who might be going, well, you know, I saw you walk yesterday or you were able to talk yesterday. Or, yes, I get that all the yes. time. <laughs> you're getting better. My neighbour the other day was like, I saw you walk. You're walking now. That's yeah, great. wonderful. <laughs> yeah, and then a couple of hours, hours later you might be back in the wheelchair. Yeah, exactly, yeah. or in bed and yeah. unable to move. And you go, well, I was mm. walking earlier, so that's quite right. Yeah. yeah, and it's not like this thing, you know, this gradual improvement or this gradual decline. We've got, you know, severe variability and severe fluctuations in symptoms. Yes. Really all the time because our body is, you know, dynamic. Our body is constantly you know, changing to environmental inputs and probably more so with FND. Mm-hmm. So fatigue, being unwell, um, stressors, you know, even stress of environmental temperature or anything. It doesn't have yes. to be emotional stress. It can be environmental. environmental. I notice yeah. that especially in winter and in summer, like mm-hmm. at the peak, So I'm not really looking forward to it because today is going to be 36 over here. (laughs) So Mm. my FND really reacts. Um, So I hear there's new developments happening with FND Australia Support Services. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, so we've been, again, fortunate to get a grant to develop a 12-week group program for FND. And again, this program has you know, sort of come up from my lived experience and also what I see. I have a lot of clients and we get a huge number of inquiries through the website, our Mm -hmm. contact us page. So we're getting around 12 to 15 inquiries a day. And it's always like 
new people, oh, I've just been diagnosed with FND or I've just found out I've been symptomatic for so many years. I've just found out I've got a label for FND. I don't understand it. I don't know what to do. It's affecting me so badly. I'm getting conflicting messages. I can't access support. Um, and of course, people are really struggling financially um, with many people with FND unable to work or not able to work to the same level that they might have done previously. Mm-hmm. So what I've done now is develop a 12-week group program, which we're launching just after Awareness Day. So currently we're seeking expressions of interest for people to attend the program. And the program is really designed to help upskill not only the person with FND, but also their immediate primary carer. Sometimes you may have had a carer be told by a health professional, oh, you know, this is, you know, maybe your person's putting this on for attention. Say, especially with parents, parents are often told, you know, ignore the kid. You know, yeah, I found, horrifying. Oh, I found that horrifying to actually hear from you earlier on that, you know, parents are actually told, look, it's just behavioural. It's not mm. behavioural at all. Yeah. yeah. So this so, is really good. Yeah, I work a lot with kids and parents mm-hmm. and I hear some horrendous stories, potentially, you know, not as bad as, you know, It is improving over time, but I have heard some really, really horrendous stories. Ignore the kid. Your kid is attention seeking. Mm. You know, if your kid's about to fall down the stairs or if your kid's about to hit their head on the table, just ignore them. And when they stop this behavior, when they stop seizing, when they stop being paralyzed, when they get up and start walking normally, well, then you can give them some attention, but ignore them. So that's really the worst possible thing that you can do and it's one of the things that we'll cover in the program is around psychological safety your nervous system because your nervous system is responding to threats from environments so if you're feeling rejected by your partner by your parent by your family even if your nervous system is picking up that cue it's going to make your symptoms worse so people need to feel safe, they need to feel supported, they need to feel validated and feel hurt. So yes, this program can be attended by the person with FND and their immediate carer, so whether it's a parent or a partner. And it is an education program, but it's also designed to provide skills, strategies, etc., to help people, first of all, understand the condition understand how do I manage it? How can I you know, promote my own well-being? So we know, you know, you want to be holistic. You want to look at the whole person. People are dealing with individual medical conditions. Everyone's an individual and often our other health conditions, our stressors, whatever's happening in the environment, it impacts our FND. So really getting a good understanding of say the person, what can help symptoms, what can improve, how we manage symptoms and trying to help people live well. And then, you know, we look at, you know, connecting mind and body. So sometimes people might just be referred to a psychologist who's never actually heard of FND or they might be referred to a physio who's never heard of FND. So it's looking at that person holistically, looking at what can we do physically to improve symptoms? What can we do mentally, psychologically? How can we manage our stress systems? Understanding the important role of sleep, because that plays an important role in you know, regulating our body functions. Mm-hmm. We also look at sensory processing. That so many people have sensory issues. I mean, we can have the extreme where people can go blind with FND, you can lose your hearing, but 
probably more commonly what we see is really acute sensory sensitivities. So people responding to flashing lights, sudden sounds, movement. So even, you know, being in a car and having other cars driving past, that can trigger seizures, symptoms, etc. So really understanding what's happening in the brain for people with FND, why are these sensory signals not being integrated properly, which can then cause FND symptoms, and then looking at finding meaning and purpose in life because if FND is going to become a chronic condition, and we know for some people it will, for some people it won't, you know, for some people it might just be a blip in their life and they deal with symptoms for a short time and then get to remission. Yeah, and, you know, potentially anyone who's had FND, it can potentially come back. Yeah. Um, And other people will live with it daily and for some people it's a progressive condition and people can't go back to what they were doing. And it's also considering, well, if I was doing, you know, living this particular life and I came down with FND, what do I need to change so that I'm not dealing with symptoms? How am I going to adjust my life, adapt my life, change things to keep myself in an environment where the triggers are not causing my symptoms, where I can stay well? So, and for some people, that might mean not doing the employment that they used to do, cutting down employment, changing what they did. So helping people find meaning and purpose if they need to make changes. And look, I certainly have had people that have said things along the lines of my FND has been a blessing because it caused me to reassess my life. And I had to think about what I was doing. And because of FND, I'm now not working, you know, 18 hours a day I'm now spending time I'm watching my children grow up I'm doing things I really enjoy yeah so how do we find meaning and purpose in life and also the sense of identity because for many of us you know even you yourself like people might identify their career so I'm a nurse yeah what what, people go what do you do (laughs) oh I'm a nurse you know or I'm a scientist yeah so it's hard. People, yeah. yeah. Because when you oh, lose I'm a dancer, Yeah, you when know? you lose so much, right? Yeah, you it, really you do. Go, I don't and that know what sense I am. of identity yes. can be so important for people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people might say, Well, I don't do anything, you know, who am I now now that I have this condition? And so rebuilding the person's you know, sense of self worth, sense of identity, finding meaning and purpose. And readjusting, even the sense of, you know, people end up being in a wheelchair. You know, like for me, I was a dancer for a number of years. I was doing competitive dancing. And I still have a cupboard full of dance clothes and it's sort of like I can't get my head around. I still kind of feel, oh, I'm just going to go back to that one day. You know, one day I'll get up and I'll be able to do my competitive dancing. Yes. When in reality, that's probably not going to happen. And then I'm out there in the wheelchair. So externally people see the wheelchair but in my head I'm still the dancer sort of thing yeah the person inside yeah Yeah. so that that sense of identity of being a wheelchair user even that you know the wheelchair is very visible sometimes FND symptoms may be invisible you know the brain fog fog the fatigue etc the sort of they're invisible symptoms but when you're out there in a wheelchair or you're having seizures collapse into the ground that kind of stuff well, obviously it sort of changes your identity around how you're seen how you feel internally how do others see you 
Yes. We look at that in the program and that sort of self-compassion as well. So being kind to yourself because people, especially people with FND, I find that they're often, and myself, people who push themselves, perfectionists. Yeah. And I've always felt as though like um, I needed to continue to do something to have, you know, to be productive all the yeah, time. Yeah, that, that sense of being productive. Yes. Often people are the carers. They were there for everyone else and they may have come from the caring professions, you know, like your nurses or yes. support workers. Teachers. Or teachers very yep, much so. Yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> yeah, so often people with F&D were the ones that were there for everyone else and they get people get burnt out, literally. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, after addressing that, we also look at disability and inclusion. So obviously there are going to be some people with FND who will need to look at disability supports. So that might be potentially getting on the disability pension. It might mean getting on the NDIS. So in one of the last weeks, we look at what are the eligibility criteria for these schemes? When might you consider it? And if you are going to go down that pathway, what do you need? You know, what do you need to do? And also looking at inclusion. So um, for people going back to work, for people going back to school, uh, what are the legal requirements around the Disability Discrimination Act? What's the legal requirement for accommodations and adjustments to be made? How are we going to make reasonable adjustments? How do we help people advocate for what they need? And what's appropriate? So obviously, you know, if you're a surgeon, you can't be on the floor having seizures. Uh, no, um, I, I would not want you to be my surgeon either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what's yeah. reasonable? So in that situation, it would be reasonable that an employer wouldn't return a surgeon if they're having tremors and seizures in the middle of an operation. Yeah. So understanding those requirements. What's the legal requirement? Mm -hmm. Where does an employer make adjustments to allow that person to be included within the workplace? And at what point is it seen as too much of a risk for the employer or for the person, for the individual. Yeah. So looking at that. Yeah, so that sort of covers a lot of the things that we'll look at in that course. And I'm sort of hoping over 12 weeks, it is a group program. So it's a chance for people to connect with others who are going through similar things to learn from other people. And often in a group program, you learn a lot from others. So you can connect with others and find, you know, that connection. You know, I'm not alone on this journey it can be really important. That's good because like you learn from others from personal experience, but also, mm. you know, together as a whole, as a group, you might yeah. at the end of the like eight week program form really essential uh, friendships that are lasting yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and it helps that you know another person, especially when you're newly diagnosed, mm. that yeah, has FND. Yeah, so many people do feel alone. And that's why, you know, it's great to have that support group and people can realise, you know, everyone's different, everyone's unique. F&D affects people differently in different ways. What works for one person won't work for someone else. But take, you know, someone it worked for something else or maybe I can trial something similar. Maybe that'll help me. Exactly. I was yeah. just wondering, though, what's the name of the program? So the program is called? Yes. Kokorokoro Militia, and what that means, there was a lot of work that went into finding a meaningful name. So 
Kokoro koro is a Japanese word, and that means connection of the mind, body, and spirit. And that's so important in FND because we have the disconnection of the mind, the brain, and the body. You know, we don't have those normal signals and pathways functioning normally. And militia is a Latin word, and it means resilience and plasticity. And we often talk about FND neuroplasticity. So the brain has a capacity to change. And we know for younger people, like your brain is most neuroplastic as a baby. It's growing, it's developing, it's forming new neural networks. Mm -hmm. yes. And it continues to learn and form neural networks. And very neuroplastic. Until about the age of 25, it starts to, the plasticity slows down. We used to, there used to be thought that, you know, the nervous system was static. And if you lost, if you damaged your brain, if you damaged neurons, it would never regenerate. So it's now found that that's not the case. And the brain is always plastic. It's always learning. It can be resilient. So pathways are damaged. New pathways can be formed. And look, we see, you know, children can be born with half a brain and the other parts of the brain take over. Um, part of a brain can be damaged and other parts of the brain will take over. So what we want to do is harness, you know, the power of plasticity with the brain. Nice. So we, if we have damaged pathways, damaged networks, trying to promote new networks in the brain. So creating an environment where the brain can learn and trying to promote resilience in that person. And the symbol for um, the Kokorokoro Militia program is a lotus flower. So the lotus flower means rebirth. So your life is not over with FND. A lot of people, you know, they'll come down with a condition and think, well, that's the end of my life. I can't do everything I plan to do. This is it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Whereas, you know, what we want to promote through the program is your life's not over. You can still live a meaningful productive life even while managing symptoms and look some people will go on and you know they might do really well they might go into remission they might not have to deal with fnd ongoing but for a lot of people it will be an ongoing condition that they need to manage so it's an opportunity for people to reassess their life course and then create a meaningful life while managing health and disability it may be an opportunity and what we often see is a lot is people start developing creative talents. So, you know, yes, I haven't had time to do art or mm -hmm. whatever create creative talent that they had. And now that they've come down with F&D, they can direct their energies into that. And that can be therapeutic and healing and productive as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know what? I wish, I really wish this program was available when we first got diagnosed ourselves because mm. This is just really in-depth and it's all, it's everything that you absolutely need. How do people mm. apply for this program? So we've got a expressions of interest um, form at the moment. Um, I can send that to you and you can, you know, have it on your link as well. Mm -hmm. um, and what we're looking at, we, we want people to commit to the 12 weeks because it's a closed group program. So we don't want someone signing up, doing one week and then, not being able to keep attending um, so we want to know that people can commit to the program that they're motivated to attend we ask you know why do you want to attend this program what are you hoping to learn when are you available yeah. um, so they can complete that eoi they can contact us through our info at fndaus.org.au email address and we can send um, them the link 
Um, I am hoping to start the program quite soon and there will be, if you don't get into the first round, the plan is that we'll keep running it. Obviously, there'll be ongoing quality improvement. We'll be seeking feedback from people. One of the things in particular is it's a 12-week program. So that, you know, three months worth of an opportunity to ask questions, an opportunity to learn, you know, so much, you know, you might get, you know, one appointment with a neurologist and it's a bit of an information dump and you can't take it all in. Whereas over a 12-week period, there's this opportunity to keep coming back, keep asking questions to reinforce new knowledge. So we want to see, does that work? Should it be shorter? Um, You know, is eight weeks enough? So we'll look at all of those kind of things and we'll keep evaluating the program, seeking feedback from people. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, it is something that I would like to keep having as basically business as usual to to keep running. Because, you know, like I said, so many people are just given a label and, like you said, go Google it. Yeah, or we find out ourselves and then we, you know, we look to other sources that might not be even reliable as well. Yeah, yeah, and this program, it is evidence-based. So I I have gone through all the scientific literature, which I try and do like a knowledge translation piece. So taking evidence-based scientific information and adapting it in a way that the general layperson who's not medically trained can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does have that evidence base behind it, but it also has a lived experience base behind it. And over the course of developing this program, you know, other people with lived experience have reviewed it, have provided input around what should be in it, etc. Yeah, it's like um, created um, for FNDs by FNDs as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. For all the other programs that you have, especially like the counselling, which is really important because, you know, mental health is integral here um, and OT um, especially, how do people actually inquire about that too? Is it still through the email as well? I mean, the info at email address will always get to us and we can always direct you down the right pathway we have a sign up form for the clinic so the fnd clinic which is telehealth so we can see people across australia yes Um, but if people just contact us through our general inquiries email address which is the info at Mm -hmm. they'll always be directed onto the right path is it like it's australia wide isn't it yeah yes yeah and that's the other thing is so many people you know, they might be rural, they might be remote. There's no one in my area that understands this condition. So offering a telehealth service, like obviously it'd be great to have people face-to-face, but it's not possible all the time. So we're able to connect with people across Australia. But the other thing is we often work, and what's really important with FND is working within a multidisciplinary team. Mm -hmm. So I might be providing, say, the FND expertise, but working in with a local OT on the ground, a local physio, a local psychologist, so that they may not have the FND expertise, but they can see the person on the ground. So working in that team environment is really important. That's right. That's right. Well, I was also wondering, in regards to this program, is it eligible? Are you able to apply if you're not in Australia at this stage? That's well, a question. <laughs> <laughs> um, the need, I mean, we are FND Australia, and um, we do often get inquiries from people around the world, you know, Canada, yes. Hong Kong, you know, yeah. Africa. Okay. So we tend to focus on Australia, like, 
potentially in the future, you know, with something like this, because it is telehealth, we could have people from around the world attending. Um, in terms of things like we talk about the disability scheme, so your DSP, your NDIS, well, obviously that specifically relates to Australia, Australia. because every country, every all the health services in different countries have different requirements, which is why we tend to stick to Australia. Um, and there's such a need just within our own country. But, you know, in the future, certainly really there's only one week that is really specific to Australia in terms of the disability schemes, the Disability Act that, you know, we have as part of our legislation. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm certainly not adverse to including um, people from other countries, but we will probably always prioritise Australia within our services yes. because there's such a need at home. There and, is. It's a huge yeah. need around the world, but especially Australia. Yeah, we mm -hmm. do need it here too. Yeah. yeah. When I started off with FND, you know, around 2017, I went to the Edinburgh conference, you know, the FND Society conference. Yes. And I can remember people saying to me, oh, Australia is a black hole for FND. Oh, you're from Australia. Oh, that's oh, a black hole. There's no. nothing there. Yeah. Well, we need to do something about that. And now I get inquiries from people around the world, like from even America and Canada, and they're like, oh, you're so much more advanced than we are here. And that kind of like blows me away because, <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago we're told that we're a black hole and now people are coming to us. And I've had people in America say, oh, my psychologist, my neurologist told me to contact you because you're so much more advanced than this doing so much more than we are here wow yeah oh wow <laughs> you, you often hear oh fnd is really behind all these conditions and it sounds like we're progressing yeah, yeah i really think in the last say five to seven maybe ten probably not ten five to seven years we really have progressed and you know we now have the fnd society and that's got a so that's for health professionals so you've got to be a health professional, so allied health, medical yep. practitioner, neurologist, psychiatrist, et cetera, to join that. But that's a learning. So prof continuing professional development, there's research happening. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago when I came down with this condition, there was an interest. Um, you know, neurologists, it was this, like, awful thing like this stigma like neurologists wouldn't even tell you so like I found my diagnosis in my medical notes it wasn't discussed so it was that real shame and you know even in a recent admission that I had to hospital mm -hmm. you know I had two admissions yeah. one week apart oh. the first admission couldn't fault great neurologist second admission a week later different neurologist she wouldn't even talk to me I'm like, well, I'm glad this is not the first time that I've come down with this condition because I wouldn't know what I was dealing with. But literally, you know, that sort of attitude of, you know, we don't want to talk to you, you're not worth dealing with. And that is still, sadly, it happens. I don't think it's as common as it used to be. Yes. But the thing where we don't even tell you what your diagnosis is because it's so bad and, you know, we just ignore you. Yeah. And that still happens. <sighs> You would think, well, I was shocked uh, around, you know, the attitude that I experienced just a couple of weeks ago. I was actually really shocked as well because, you know, you are so knowledgeable, you treat and you actually help others with FND, but also you train professionals. I know. <laughs> and, and this doctor that wouldn't even talk to me. 
Wow. He saw, he saw me once and complete and utter neglect. Yes. Um, but sadly, there are still doctors out there who don't treat this well. It's seen as, you know, it, they treat it as fictitious. They really, and, there needs to be more awareness there as well. Mm. Um, I was just wondering, speaking of awareness, <laughs> it's a great segue here. Yeah. Um, F&D Day is coming around very quickly. What are we doing for F&D Day? Well, FND Awareness Day um, is an opportunity for anyone with FND, anyone who supports someone with FND, to create their own awareness. So this year we're having our walk and wheels. So we've got the lovely Kate, the other yeah. Kate, not me, who's got them done wonderful tops. Yes. In my top. My walk and wheels for F and D. Oh my god, that's amazing! That's so pretty. Oh my goodness! So, where, can anyone actually purchase this? Or? Yeah, anyone can purchase this. I can give you the link. It's um, crafty designs by Kate, so another Kate, and Very she's nice. done these amazing awareness day T-shirts and jumpers and everything for awareness day. And walk and wheels for F and D is something that people can just do. They can go for a walk and raise funds if they want to raise funds and help to create awareness within their own community. Yeah. So and it's something that people can do at their own level. You know, some people might choose to do a marathon. Other people might just choose to go for a little walk in their wheelchair and create awareness for FND. Yep. It's a chance for people to catch up. We've got a number of coffee, coffee catch-ups happening on the day across the country. Nice. That's yeah, and so of course lovely. we yeah. have... I'll be talking, you know, with um, the director of another F&D research project, project um, so an opportunity to create awareness around what's happening in F&D. Um, yeah, but it's a chance for everyone to get involved at the level that they're able to get And capable. Involved. There's no pressure for you to actually no hold pressure. a conference. Like, mm. <laughs> you, you know, you can just do it. Like the other day, right, um, the person that told me, look, you're walking. And I was like, well, actually you have to explain. It could be just a nice chat to your neighbour um, across the road, you know, about mm. F&D and you've done your part, you know. Mm. So... Yeah. Everyone can create awareness about FND. It doesn't need to be left up to one or two individuals in the country to do it. It's about everyone getting involved and playing their part, but within their own capabilities. You don't have to go and do these major events. You can, like yeah. you said, have a conversation with your neighbour about it. Or you could be like my daughter and when I do flare up in the shop um, or the supermarket, she just screams out, don't worry, my mum has FND. There, she's done her part. She has done her part. <laughs> it's a bit embarrassing, but yes, okay. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, you know? exactly. And other people might go, oh, you know, my daughter, son, whatever, partner has also got FND. Yeah. And I never heard about this until, you know, my partner came down with FND. Exactly. It's becoming more prevalent. Question. It appears to be becoming more prevalent. Like our certainly our number of inquiries are just exploding. Yeah. Um, whether or not people are being more diagnosed, so you know, mm. people flipping through system gaps before and not being properly diagnosed. Yes. Um, health professionals communicate in the diagnosis, like I found my diagnosis in my medical notes a number of years after it had actually been recorded. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as far as the health professional was concerned, they diagnosed me, but they didn't 
tell you. Just got you. you with me. They didn't tell me. That's the most integral part of actually delivering care. Have you have, have this condition. <laughs> yeah, so people have been going around. I was certainly going around telling people we don't know what's wrong with me, yet there was a diagnosis in my medical notes. That's horrible. Even my GP didn't tell me. Oh, my goodness. That's 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 horrible. It's like saying, hey, um, well, see you later, alligator. Uh, you've got Parkinson's, but we're not going to tell you about that. You, you'll, mm. you just live your life. Be free. <laughs> no. Yeah, and so like, if we don't tell you what this is, you'll just get better on your own. And there has been that attitude uh. around... I'll just ignore it and yeah. it'll get better on its own. I guess that's a big takeaway. We don't want to give any attention to it. I've seen that a lot. Yeah. I guess that's a big takeaway is also advocacy. So for those who mm. are um, new to this condition too, you'll come across trying to advocate for yourself and that's really important. And I think you'll learn more from others who have FND and they'll tell you how they dealt with it as well. But also mm-hmm. it sounds like with this course too, it's included. So I'm yeah. I'm really excited. I actually want to, but then I'm like, well, there's only so many spots. People really need it, really need that spot. And I think in terms of, you know, who the program suited for, it's certainly suited for someone who is fairly new to the yes. diagnosis, struggling to understand what it is, how do I manage it, how do we treat it? And there is, you know, such a need for that because of that level of confusion when you get the diagnosis. And even when I was doing the FND app and people were contributing to the frequently asked questions, I mean, one of the questions that came up is, will this kill me? And FND on its own won't. But that is a fear among some people. If you don't understand it, you don't know what's wrong. And even when I didn't have a label, I'm like, well, maybe I'm dealing with something that, you know, the health, professionals just haven't, yeah, the health professionals just haven't detected what I'm dealing with. So whatever test they've done has come up negative, but they're not testing for the right thing. And, you know, I was feeling so awful, not able to walk, et cetera. And I'm like, well, you know, what if this is, what if I'm dying? You what know, if you have cancer? What if you've got people... the Ebola virus? What if you've got yeah. MS or fibromyalgia? Because mm. I remember mm. like um, being diagnosed through the whole process, so many tests that they were doing. They wouldn't even tell me what they were for as well. Yeah. You had to kind of research to find out as well or just really ask. And, mm. um, you know, your mind would go wild. Yeah. It really would, yeah. Mm. So. And, you know, the symptoms are so debilitating, they're so serious that you think, well, there must be something really wrong with me and maybe, you know, maybe I'm not going to be alive in two years. And we know with FND, FND is not a lethal condition of its own. No. So, but and obviously those sort of questions pass people's minds. Yeah. So being able to understand what the condition is, it's not a lethal condition. Mm-hmm. It's you know, not a great condition to live with, but it isn't as bad as, you know, motor neuron disease and Parkinson's disease where there is that, organic changes in the brain we don't have organic changes in the brain with fnd if you have a message for this year for others with fnd especially fnd awareness day or fnd day that's what i say um what would your message be it's a hard one because it is a hard one because there's so many things (laughs) that you can say people living with fnd i guess where we're really at at the moment is you know trying to live well with the condition and I think that's really what this program is trying to promote it's also what can we do for ourselves so many people feel oh I've got to go and see this 
magic specialist that'll cost me you know, $500 for a 20 minute appointment and I have to wait two years for it. You know, that may not be the magic cure for you. What, and there is no magic cure for FND, we do know that. But it's around, you know, recreating your life and creating wellness. And that'll look different for every single person. What, you know, what is healing and soothing to someone's nervous system may not be for someone else. So working yourself, working holistically um, and trying to regulate your nervous system, taking yourself out of environments that can be triggering, which can be, you know, people often talk about, you know, toxic workplaces or toxic schools or whatever it is, taking yourself out of that environment and I guess looking after yourself and allowing that sort of self-healing to occur so that you can improve your wellness. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have learned so much today and I can't wait to hear more from you in the future and hear about this program, especially how it unfolds. Thank you so much for your time. No problem and great to talk to you as always. As always. And that was Dr. Catherine Gill, President of FND Australia Support Services. If you're interested in FND Awareness Day merchandise by Crafty Designs, I'll link the links below. Um, it looks really lovely. And also, if you're interested in taking part with the Coral Militia Program too, I'll also provide the links below too as well. It'll lead you to expressions of interest for you to fill out. If I were newly diagnosed, I would literally be part of the program and I'd include my husband along because it sounds it sounds so comprehensive and so well done. Ah, my goodness. It would have made a big difference. So thank you so much, Dr. Catherine Gill, for your time as well and also with updating us with what's been happening with... FND Australia Support Services, but also this wonderful program. Thank you for creating it. It's been so good to always talk to you again, especially for FND Awareness Day. And for you listeners here, thank you for listening. And, you know, stay safe, love hard and peace and have an amazing FND Awareness Day. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of the FND Podcast. Feel free to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. And you can also follow us on Insta at the FND Podcast. Please keep learning about FND and spreading the word and supporting all the organizations around the world to your capabilities, though. No pressure, but we're all FND warriors. In the meantime, if you need any more information on functional neurological disorder, please check out the links on the episode below or www.neurosymptoms.org by Professor John Stone and they also have a really amazing app as well available. Of course, FND Australia Support Services also has an app as well as a website at www.fndoz.org.au and for any inquiries on their services, you can email them at info at fndoz.org.au also, there are many other FND organisations, much like FND Action, with helpful resources and information available. The information is available at FND Action website, www.fndaction.org.uk. Check them out. 
Well, thank you for listening and we will see you next time. And as always, stay safe, love hard and